Magic ritual is not some strange exotic beast difficult to approach and apt to scamper away when touched. It is a common occurrence in everyday life. The reason most everyday rituals do not bring about desired effects is that they are not understood for what they truly are. Therefore, they remain unfocused. And that was from Donald Tyson, Truth About Ritual Magic. Hi and welcome to Magic Self and Spirit Podcasts. I'm Steve, clairvoyant, author, spiritual teacher and chaos magician. Today we're going to discuss magic for beginners. I look at different kinds of magic. This week we will look at several types of magic for beginners. Magic spelt with a K is meant to indicate the occult. It was something brought about by the infamous magician. I think he's wonderful, but a lunatic at the same time, Alistair Crowley, to distinguish between magic for spiritual growth and manifestation in reality and magic as the sleight of hand illusion that you have on stage. So he spelt it with a K and many people have picked that up since. As practitioners on an independent path, we're not afraid of this connotation as evil, bad or scary. We look at the occult as hidden ancient or lost. These are traditional practices from ancient civilizations that are again being brought to light in the modern era of available information. We embrace these old ways. While many of the techniques we discuss today may seem simple, they can be very powerful agents of change in your life. We invite you to explore with us today as you step more fully into your power as a magician. One of the easier ways to begin to access your magic is via candle magic. It's one of the easiest and oldest forms of magic, but because it's easiest to do, please don't assume that therefore it's not powerful. Because candle magic for beginners is really how to manifest your intention, invoking the power of fire. It's fire scrying in some ways too, because of the magic can be used to gather information. Candles and fire play a part in ritual, spirit. If you're doing ritual magic in the south, the element of fire is spirit, but are often used as a magical practice in their own right. Different magical traditions and systems can vary in how they work with candles, but in effect, the practices are very similar. All magic, for the purposes of changing something in your material reality, starts at the same place with your intention. The thing with magic is you're not asking the universe, God or whoever, for a favor. You're entering your own power and commanding the universe to change reality. Hence the language you use. The words you employ centers your psychology and body on the action of magic itself. Before you start any other part of the spell, 
Get a clarity around your intention. Write it in positive and powerful language. What is it you're actually choosing as opposed to what you don't want? I often start my intentions with the words, it is my will. Now we have a whole range of ideas and conversations on our website regarding this. Language is extraordinarily important. Most religious traditions talk about, you know, the use of language. And Allah said be, and it was. In the beginning there was the word, and the word was God. Om is the sound that starts the universe, and it goes on and on, and it's amazingly powerful, and you can take from these traditions to work into your magic in whichever way you choose. If you're a chaos magician, you're not stuck with individual rules and regulations from different systems of magic or spirituality. But what I would say is check out our blog to learn how to use the language of manifesting to create your spells and intentions. And I'm sure April will put it in uh, the comments for you, the link. Candle magic colors. Candle magic colors is color magic. Everything is energy. Everything is a vibration. Everything is there to manipulate, to use, to weave. And color is a vibration. How you understand and experience color is the vibration of light. And colors are attributed to different energies, different magics, different approaches. You can use it via your visualization. You can use it literally with candle magic. You can use color in all sorts of ways. I would seriously encourage you to begin to work with colors and color magic. One of the earliest magicians is Israel Regardi. When I say earliest, earliest since it started opening up again. <laughs> you know, since it was, you were less likely to be burned alive for practicing magic somewhere in the 20th century. One of the magicians in the early 20th century, I don't know, the 1970s, I think he died, a man called Israel Regarde considered color magic, color, to be one of the three or four major principles of full-on ritual magic. So color is certainly an important way of looking at things. The color of candle you choose can play a big role in your spell, in your magical ritual, in your practice. Some practitioners work with a whole range of colors, each color representing different significances. For example, red is passion, fire, aggression, excitement, your root chakra, your sexuality, your creativity, your family history, how your bowels work, your legs, your connection to the ground, your connection to the earth, the power of fire to transmute and transform everything. Black for receptivity. Black for the chaos, the chaos of the nun, the chaos of the unmanifested, those things that have yet to come into existence. Gold for abundance. Much of the time I work with one or two of three colors, black, red and violet. Violet really doesn't change anything in the context of this discussion, but it introduces the energy of spirit. Whichever way you work, ensure that the candle you use is of a solid color, not those kind of candles that are painted or waxed over. Get the solid color of wax all the way through the candle. Not that it matters that much, because obviously white is a universal color that covers all the colors, but it's still better to go with the colors you're after. You will want to find a quiet space that you can consecrate your magic rituals. Choose the color of candle that matches your intention. Some practitioners anoint their candles with essential oils and burn incense and herbs related to their intentions. A very powerful way of working. 
If you decide to work this way, see each action as using your magic to consecrate magical tools empowering your spell. So the whole magical process before your direct intention that you're sending out to imprint and the chaos of the universe. Use magic to consecrate whatever tools you're using. You know, you can really build up a whole ritual around consecration that gets you into that space, into that focus, into that psychological and physical place that you are actually creating your magic with your tools by consecrating them, by lining them up, oils on the candles, herbs burning, incantations over the candles, the athami, the incense, etc. You can really, really build up your magic that way. And actually, it is a very, very powerful way of working. I don't want you to get the impression that somehow what we're saying here are the only ways of working. That, of course, isn't true. It's just about to open up that kind of thinking, open up that kind of power for you. Our book, Candle Magic, The Power of Fire Scrying, will guide you through how to set up and perform your candle magic ritual. This guidebook will walk you through each of the four areas we get asked about the most. Love, obviously. Money, pretty close. Health and spiritual growth. We will explore both spells to create change in your life and the use of candle magic for divination. This book is from our Moon Magic series and marries beautifully the magic of the moon with the raw elemental power of fire scrying. Jump in for relaxing meditations, powerful spells and clear instructions to manifest the life you choose. And I'm sure April is already adding or already has added that link. Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? One of the things I love about fairy tales is the magic is all there for you to see. It's only a matter of reading it with different eyes. It's hidden in plain view. It stayed throughout all the witch burnings and the purgings and the destruction of magic by the different religions, particularly the church. And because they saw this all as children's stories and not real, they forgot to understand that the magic was in the stories. Mirror magic as a form of folk magic is as old as the mountains. We find it in fairy tales and old cultural stories. Sleeping Beauty, for example. It can play a significant role in the in baneful magic and protection magic. What we want to focus on here briefly is how mirror magic can be used to exaggerate the strength of your magic, both in this world and on the astral plane where those energies come together before manifest physicality. You don't need a big ornate mirror to do mirror magic. A cheap one without a frame from a local thrift shop may well suffice. One of those mirrors used to exaggerate the size of what it is they reflect would be a good idea to work with too. Consecrating your mirror for mirror magic. Mirrors can be used as gateways to other worlds, particularly the astral planes. The thing with gateways is that they can operate both ways, which may not be ideal. I'd suggest that before you start using any mirrors for magic, to clean and consecrate them. Mirrors, like pretty much everything else, can hold energy imprints which are either reflected or magnified into your life or onto the astral worlds. Obviously, it's not ideal if negative impressions and or thoughts and emotions are projected with or magnified by your mirror when spellcasting. These energy residues may well interfere with your desired outcomes. There are many ways to clean and consecrate a mirror. Liquid alcohol is a powerful agent, for example. Yet the physical act of cleaning the mirror with soap and water and your magical intentions should work just fine. In actual fact, you can even chant them as you clean and consecrate the mirror. Chant the magic. 
by the power of light or by the power of darkness, whichever way you want to work, this mirror is cleaned and consecrated. My will be done by the power of light, by the power of darkness. This mirror is cleaned and consecrated. My will be done. Mirror magic is also great to combine with other types of magic for how to combine your mirror magic with sigils, money magic, etc. Check out our blog, which I'm sure April has already given you. Chaos magic holds that all versions of reality are illusions held within the self. That there is no way for me to understand the universe other than through my perception of it. Therefore, all of the universe on some level is me or my projection onto it. This allows an amazing amount of freedom to work and practice. In our Star Magic series, we dig into the ancient Egyptian concept of the Nun. It is the unmanifest, the dark void of chaos. Within it lies infinite potential, the womb of primal yin energy. The Nun is the material that reality is created from. Through the power of observation, we have the ability to cause the nun to take shape. Now, this is something in terms of magic that it would be so helpful to understand. The eternal background reality is chaos. It is shapeless, unmanifest potentiality. It isn't order. It is the opposite. Order is an imprint on it with intention that the magician makes to create an ordered reality. And if they're a chaos magician, an ordered reality, which they may then just change. Understanding that the background to reality, the unmanifest, is chaos and not order. The natural space is chaos, not order. Gives you the freedom to really create. Order is something that you create. The magician creates via the intention via the concentration and the thought and sometimes the words of absolute clarity onto the unmanifest order onto the none and then with your emotions that align that bring your heart and your head into congruence that work with the higher emotions only, not for moral reasons, only because they're going to be more effective in this particular way of being, this particular form of magic. So gratitude, wholeness, joy are from a place of knowing that the magic that you are doing is already so. In some ways, anger and hate can fit into there as well if you're doing negative or baneful magic as long as it's congruent with your thoughts. Chaos magic teaches us how to impose our will upon this unformed substance. With our observation and intentions, we become the yang energy, which motivates the universe into shape. As a magician in my power, I cause it to take form in the image. I demand or command. For the full discussion on the nun and the chaos, etc., as it relates to magic, particularly in where we've written the magic of ancient Egypt, Check out our book, Dream Temples and Star Magic. Sigil Servitors and Chaos Magic. That's two things that came out of Chaos Magic that really came about in the 1970s. You know, bought access for most people to real magic and broke lots of the dogmatic stuff out of magic. The religious thinking in, in magic, the religious morals. 
and at times the opposites to those the oppositions the the satanist oppositions to things that you know the other side exists you can break through all of that with chaos magic into you don't have to be aligned to a side a set of morals a way of thinking you can just take from different traditions and build your own tradition build your own magic as a chaos magician in our blog the mental universe three masks of self we opened with the hermetic idea that the universe is made of mind and therefore everything is mind do i believe that to be a hundred percent true all of the time no it's a mask but when i'm working with it that way i believe it to be a hundred percent true but i can take that mask off and take on any other belief as well the universe being mind which when understood underpins the idea of magical thought forms if everything is mind including your mind then thought can be manipulated to create what it is you choose because energy mind in this context is never really still from it you can create life as life is always vibrating this is the foundation of the philosophy of chaos magic the use of magical sigils and the creation of thought forms are the bread and butter of any chaos magician they are powerful techniques for creating any outcome you choose to manifest magical thought forms since the emergence of chaos magic in the 1970s servitors have been at the forefront of much magical practice indeed from the point of view of chaos magic everything is illusion all gods angels demons and spirits etc are magical thought forms now i don't want to lead you into the impression that therefore there's this organization called chaos magicians across the world that have these strict rules that say everything is illusion it's kind of the opposite really i very much doubt you can find two chaos magicians that entirely agree with each other so you may ask me as a clairvoyant do i think spirits are real i certainly experience them as real but i also know i have the ability to create them does that mean they're not real and it's just in my imagination yeah does that mean they are real and they are independent of me yes does that mean as a magician i can step into my god place and create anything i choose oh yes so the three answers to three questions that may actually seem incongruent with each other can all actually lead us to the same place from the point of view of chaos magic and everything being illusion all gods angels demons and spirits etc are magical thought forms they are often egregories and hence very powerful and egregory is made by the collective magical thought form of an organization a business a coven whatever their power comes from the amount of energy and focus placed on them by millions and billions of people for thousands of years so let's say for example jehovah yahweh whatever words you want to call him assuming we are working with a him was a thought form and has been thought of worshipped empowered energized moralized about and used as a god of war by millions and billions of people over the last number of thousand years how powerful do you think that thought form is energy flows where attention goes belief is extraordinarily powerful magical use of thought forms has been part of the magician's arsenal for centuries those of us involved in magical warfare exorcism space clearing curse removal or other more advanced workings for example often find them invaluable 
To learn more about our magical service, check out magical services pages. There are three main categories of magical thought forms. Each of them are created by the magician for specific purposes. A servitor, the definition of a servitor. A servitor is a thought form created by a magical practitioner as a being or a thing birthed with a specific intention. It has one purpose, to bring into reality a certain magical goal. Now, as a magician, I can create a servitor in human form, animal form, a mixture between the two, machine form, or a shape that has been programmed to fulfill a magical ambition in God form, angelic form, demonic form. Servitors are created to serve by definition. They are not sentient. So when I create a servitor, I create a servitor for a specific intention. Last time I was in the US, I left for Costa Rica a few years ago now, two and a half years ago now. And when I arrived in Costa Rica, I had a major problem with PayPal. It locked me down, which was a real problem because all any money I could earn needed to come through PayPal at that point in time for me. So I created a demonic servitor, filled it with the energy and sent it out to smash down any barriers on PayPal that stopped my finances flowing took about 24 hours. PayPal really weren't prepared to play with me before that. They were just, you know, these are our policies, these are our rules. Just Kate kept throwing things at me rather than dealing with the problem. But the servitor sorted it. It can be a very powerful way of working. A tulpa. A tulpa is similar to a servitor, but it's got a major difference. You program a tulpa to be sentient, to evolve to grow so you're creating like it's like a thought form but you're creating it as a, a magical spiritual companion as i say earlier on the egregory is a thought form created by a number of people together it usually represents the goals of an organization which is covens businesses mystery schools etc but also i would argue quite strongly religions although i'm sure religious people may have some problems with that Sigil magic. We have visited sigil magic in several of our blogs. This form of magic invites the practitioner to create an image that will have significance to his unconscious mind, but not always consciously. Sigils act as triggers to awaken the collective unconscious associations within us to spirit, to deities, or the power to create the change we seek. Many of the approaches are deceptively easy. Deceptively because although they are easy to perform, they're still incredibly powerful. You can also work with sigils, as in seals. Angels and demons all have sigils, all have seals of their own individually. You can activate the, let's say I wanted to work with Archangel Raphael for healing purposes. I can activate in ritual his seal like a sigil. I focus my attention on it, but in a gaze way, I unfocus. I gaze in an unfocused way. I kind of look at the sigil, but open up my periphery. And the sigil will begin to fluctuate. Bits of it will begin to vanish. I can gaze into it and become a part of it as it's vanishing. I can call. I can use magical incantation, for example. I like the EA coetting. Another magician's one, um, Itzratumantantu Vespachakaltamu, Itzratumantakala Mantatsut Beltasu Vaskala Itzratsu Kantantu Velchatsa. And let that sigil open up. 
and then begin to you know do that kind of incantation over and over again and as it opens up and it opens up and i'm building up the energy in my body because there's when you're opening up a sigil there's a physicality to it there's a feeling a, a physical feeling in your body and with your breath you can wrap it up and up and up and up and up and you speed it up you know after being in relaxation you speed it up your brain levels you're going into this kind of gamma state and you're meeting the angel at the crossroads and i build up through the sigil in the ritual and then transfer my gaze perhaps into incense or water or fire but quite often incense and can actually begin to project and then see the face of the angel in the in the incense itself and begin to call it forth to do the magic that i bid it so sigil magic can be worked at that kind of level as well. Although there's all sorts of other kind of chaos magic levels, sigil magic can be used as the last thing you see before orgasming, for example, in sex magic. There's a whole way of working with it to bring it to life and then burn it so it transmutes into reality. There's a whole range of ways of working it. The Norse runes. Hebrew and Sanskrit language. The witch's Theban alphabet. The Egyptians with their hieroglyphics. All of those function as a form of sigil magic, should you so choose to work that way. In our book, Unlock Sigils and Servitors, Chaos Magic and Sorcery for Beginners, we dig deep into the creation and use of magical sigils. Over that four-week course, we uncover how to use sigil magic and how to create magical thought forms to empower your magical growth. As one of our books on direct magic this is a practical book to teach you how to do magic for beginners the course also includes transmutational meditation each week which is a guided meditation which draws on your unconscious mind deeper into the work and the belief that you can perform the magic yourself rune magic and bind rune spells for beginners this becomes really interesting the norse stuff i, I i'm working with it at the moment uh, very very powerful in this blog, we can only scratch the surface of the magic, and in this podcast, the same, of the ancient Norse runes. Our next course in the Spiritual CrossFit Gym, which is where we do our teachings, will dig into the amazing mythology and magic of the Norse gods. In modernity, most people, with even a passing recognition of the runic system, understand them as a divination tool, much like the tarot or astrology. Like tarot and astrology, runes can also be used for the kind of magic that change your reality. Ali Dradua says, Being clairvoyant also, I am seeing lots of energies and they are directing, guiding me in the present moment. So are you saying I'm creating them with my thoughts? I'm saying at one level, Ali, you're the goddess, so yes, you are. I'm saying at one level... You need to understand there isn't a difference between you and external reality. You're not experiencing external reality because that's not possible. Because there isn't an external reality that isn't you. So yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But only at one level, the magical level. If you place your hands in front of you on a table, there is the illusion, Ali, that you are feeling that table with your hand. But we all know for sure, biologically, it's pretty much indisputable now that your hands don't feel the table your hands are conduits of electrical energy that pass that information to your brain and your mind your eyes are perhaps watching the video and you can see me speaking here speaking to you directly right at the moment 
But we all know for sure that your eyes don't see. Your eyes are conduits of information. They send electrical information to your brain and your mind. You see me with your mind, not with your eyes. And that's true of all the other senses. You can hear me, but it's not true you hear me with your ears. Your ears are the organs that send the electrical information to the brain. And from there, your brain creates the picture of reality that you call real. It's formed partly from the five senses partly from what you're told you are to believe there's lots of research into i didn't have a context for understanding that so therefore i couldn't see it partly from beliefs partly from society partly from your childhood partly from your ancestral bloodline and the information that comes along there partly from past lives all comes together to form a congruent reality that you then focus out project out onto what you call external reality and you say that that's the universe and it's happening to me and you also ask an ego how does that fit in it depends on what you mean by ego ego if you like for me is the tool of the mind or part of the mind which allows us to have the illusion of being separate beings a very necessary tool because if you think of the great spirit, if you think of you as the great spirit, Ali is the great spirit. Ali is the Atma. Ali is the spirit of the universe or universes. Ali is the collection of energy that makes up the spirit of the song of the universe, the individual verse that was sung to bring everything into creation. And Steve is Ali and April is Ali and whoever else on the course is on the call is Ali and everybody else is Ali. The ego is the tool that allows Ali to experience being Ali. And Steve to experience being Steve, not Ali. Is it 100% true? Is it 100% real? No, of course it isn't. It's an illusion. There is no separation there, but it's a very, very necessary illusion. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to have the experiences of all other parts of reality. The ego as in something that works for the eye. Well, it depends on what you mean. It's been, but you know, there's this whole thing within religion, isn't there? That, you know, the ego is bad. Let go of the ego. Surrender to the all, to God to Allah, to Nirvana, to whatever else, the universe, whatever else, depending on what particular school of thought you're talking about. But the thing is, the whole point of all of that is somehow you as Ali are wrong. Somehow you're flawed. Somehow because of original sin that Eve ate the apple from the tree of the Garden of Eden that you are as a woman, as a human being, so flawed that you do not deserve God's love. So you better ask for it over and over and over again and surrender everything that's you. Isn't there something a bit wrong with that thinking? Isn't there something just a bit crazy with that thinking? What happens, Ali, if you're right? What happens if your version of reality that you create in your mind is so amazing and so incredible, you may as well take it to its highest potential and become the goddess in your own right? You have the potential to experience that. Is the ego evil for choosing that? Well, only evil in the sense is that other people have an idea that you should be something different. One of the ways of using the rune symbols here on Magic Self and Spirit is adding runes to our logo. This turns into a sigil that we can charge to bring extra energy and power to our business. Three of the runes we have chosen are Fehu, Yera, and Munjo. Obviously, these three runes would be powerful to use in Money Magic too. You could make them into a talisman. To do so, mark them on some material object, a necklace, for example, and empower them. 
and consecrate them. Then wear the talisman to allow their energies to attract money into your life. For additional ideas on manifesting money, check out our blog, Manifesting Money with Candle Magic. Bind runes and Galder. Runes can be used alone or fused together. Usually two or three runes are used at a time to create a unique stave. The visual representation of a rune, that's the stave, yeah? This combines their individual powers together. Let's use the example runes we were working with above for money magic, Fehu, Yera, and Wunjo. They could be fused together to look at something like this. Now, obviously, I can't show you them, but April, I think, would have put the uh, blog into the comment section there, and you'll be able to see what we mean by this in visual representation. This is a rough example of a bind rune that, when empowered or consecrated, could draw much financial success towards the magical practitioner. Galder is the Norse name for song or chant used to consecrate and empower runes. Individually, each rune can be brought to life by chanting its name, Fehu, 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 Fehu. But in the case of a bind rune, we take part of each rune's name and amalgamate them together. We then use this new name to chant bringing magic to life. For example, Fehu, Yera, and Wunjo. Fehuen, 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 Fehuen. Chanting the name over and over again to empower the, the bind rune would be an effective way of drawing the magic towards you. Don't miss the opportunity to join us and learn more about Norse runes and ritual magic. Coming soon to the Spiritual CrossFit Gym, the closed group we run on Facebook for teaching purposes. This will be the second of our four-week courses in the Sun Magic series. So we're going to be working with the Norse gods how to do ritual magic and sun magic together. I'll lead us in weekly lessons on how to perform the magic for ourselves. Then I'll guide us through a transmutational meditation to remove blocks to our magical growth. Each week will also include exercises to do to build our own practice and a group coaching session to get feedback on your progress. So please feel free to come and join us here in the teaching. Now this is an example, a free flow example, shall we say of how we teach the courses, of how we share the information, of how we connect with people. Are you ready to experience magic for beginners? We have enjoyed sharing with you the overall of, overview of four different styles of magic. These are easy enough for beginners to pick up, but often enough depth for the seasoned practitioner to use daily. Here at Magic Self and Spirit, we look to meet you where you are and help you get to where you would choose to be. We offer classes, books, readings, and magical services. Our goal is to help you break out of your current life situations and become the powerful creator you know that you are. We look forward to continuing to work with you. Sarah Ann Robinson, I always use magic with a K been practicing witch for a few years now yeah it is an interesting distinction isn't it sarah to have that in your thinking i'm not sure it's a hundred percent necessary but it's more about other people isn't it it's more about what other people think of as magic but sometimes if we put that emphasis into our own thinking on magic we can add another level of energy and focus to it so yeah i get what you mean
So I'll wrap up the podcast. It's been great working with you. On Sunday, we'll do another Ask Spirit. And next Tuesday, we'll we'll do a podcast on introductions to Norse magic and ritual magic. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Take care and we'll catch up with you soon.